Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Amen. So I want to read with you today passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, sorry, chapter 13, verse 5 to verse 10. This is a, a calling from Paul to do something very useful and vital for our Christian lives. Not only as an individual, but we should, that, should do that as well as church. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 to 10. I'm reading from... Um, the New Living Translation. Paul says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. What a challenge, isn't it? What Paul is saying, he says, examine yourselves. Have you examined yourself today? Test yourselves. Have we been tested today? As you test yourself, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. We pray to God that you will not do what is wrong by refusing our correction. You see, Paul is using his apostolic authority here. I hope we won't need to demonstrate our authority when we arrive. Do the right thing before we come, even if that makes it look like we have failed to demonstrate our authority, for we cannot oppose the truth but must always stand for the truth. We are glad to seem weak if it helps show that you are actually strong. We pray that you will become mature. I'm writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. What an interesting passage, isn't it? Paul says, I'll tell you off, you better behave. And I hope you do it before I come. When I do, if you don't, isn't that what you understood? But let's go to the first verses, shall we? Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Let's pray once again. Father, it's your word that uh, we are about to share. Holy Spirit of God, help me to share the truth of the gospel, to challenge your church this morning, to live a life that is real Christian life, real Christian life, being a real disciples of Jesus Christ. Let us not, Lord, blend among the world and and look like the world. But let us 
as we go into the world, let them know that we are a servant of the living God, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, the one who came, who died, and rose from the dead, and was sent to heaven, and will come back one day to judge all of us. Help us to know that, and be truthful in everything we say, in everything we do. Help us to develop the mind of Christ through the power of the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to renew us every, every day. In the sweet, but the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you live with fake long enough, the real will taste bad to you. Have you ever seen a, a fake 30 pounds note? Have you ever seen a fake 30 pounds note? Why? Because there is, an, there is one real. There is, there is no 30 pound notes, a real one, right? But here, have, have you ever come across a, a fake 50 pound notes? Have you received any? Yes, I had as well, and I have received two <laughs> 50-pound notes a long time ago. Why do we have the fake? Because there is a real one, and how the fake is able to deceive people, because they look like the real one. But there are some small differences. You know, in these verse... We have just read, Paul challenged the Corinthians to self-examination. And for Steve to, for your record, Steve, the, the title of my message is Faking Christianity. Because he does the, the pod. You know, pay attention to how Paul employs the present tense. For the verbs, test and examine. If we need some lessons on that, I'll call the teacher, an English teacher to help us. But anyway, we don't need that for now. But let me ask you, well, actually some people ask why there are so many denominations. Why there are so many churches or especially denominations among Christians. That thought may have crossed your mind once or twice or at a time. I have, people have asked me that. The answer to this question is very simple. And I'll answer that to you right now. It's due to the man's interpretation of God's holy word without the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God. And there was a divorce. I don't know when that happened. You may be able to tell me, but a long ago where people have divorced the word from the spirit. And there is no way for us to preach the word of God without the Holy Spirit of God helping us. Or in other words, the Holy Spirit and the word must come together. It is men disassociating 
the word from the spirit that causes and causes so many confusion and so many uh, different ideas or interpretations of the holy book. That wasn't God's intention as, 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 as I said here. God speaks in many ways. He speaks an unchanging message. He speaks through creation. He speaks through his word. And we, God speaks and we fail to trust him. But he speaks anyway. He keeps speaking. You know, we, our experience of Christianity must go beyond just being another interpretation of the Bible. It must expand until faith in Christ Jesus and our love for him becomes a lightning rod of his presence. When we come to this place to worship God, we need to do in such a way that everybody that goes across, uh, past here on this road or live in this neighborhood know that here there is a people who worship the living God. Until it becomes evident to those who listen to us that the style of life we preach is our lifestyle, which is the life of Christ, the attributes of Christ, that we have the mind of Christ, it will not work. The Bible says that we must test all things. You should also test every word I say from this pulpit according to the Holy Scripture. Because if you caught me, if you catch me saying anything that is not in here, you should challenge me because if you do not challenge me, you're going to be guilty as well. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. That's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. But examine everything carefully. Carefully. Here Paul indicates that such an examination was not an annual activity was something that would happen daily. Not every once a year where the feasts would happen. No, it's a daily, it's a continuous one. Not only daily, but maybe every time, every minute. We need to examine yourselves. But why should we examine ourselves? This is the question. I have two questions here today. Why do we examine ourselves? First, to determine if we are in the faith. To determine the truth of ourselves. Who we really are. Because the word of God is, is able to discern what is the spirit and what is from the flesh. And to determine if Jesus is in us. That's what Paul says here. And to determine if we have passed the test. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not... Oh, sorry. Uh, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you have failed the test? But, second question, by what standard should we examine ourselves? Not by the estimate of self, not by the estimate of man. 
we must test ourselves by the standard of God's word and holiness. Yes, Ali. So that happens. So that's what we are talking today. But let me ask you a question. Would you buy a car without driving it? Would you purchase a house sight unseen? Of course not. By the way, however, and Jackie is moving house today, so they're not here. They're moving home. Uh, God blessed them with a house. Yet, many of us accept various plans of salvation that do not really save us from the distress of hell. And either tells us to live according to the mind, the mind of Christ, in spite of the fact that Jesus came to give us abundant life. Many remain sick, sinful, and selfish. A car is like, let me make this allegory here, it's like a plan of salvation. It may look nice, but if it does not drive you across town, if it does not drive you from point A to point B, scrap it. Scrap it likewise. Suppose our Christianity does not work here where we can test it. That's what Paul's saying. Do you believe in Christ? Test your beliefs. In that case, if it's foolish to hope, it will successfully transport us into eternity where we will suffer eternal separation from God if we fail the test. I do not wish to imply, however, that unless we get every doctrine right, and every interpretation perfect will be refused entering heaven. No. Because Christianity is more than a matter of, you know, head knowledge. Christianity is more a matter of the heart than head. It is a maturing of love more than knowledge. Are you following me here? So the test of truth is not an intellectual pursuit, but whether you are drawing closer to Christ week by week, day by day, knowing him, loving Jesus Christ, and willing to testify about him everywhere you go with your lifestyle, because it is the lifestyle of Christ. All we need to do is to ask God, help me, Lord, to be tested. At the same time, we should not be afraid, you know, to test what we believe. If you are afraid to test what you believe, then you need to learn more. As Paul says, test yourselves, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? You don't recognize Christ in you. You should test yourself if you see if Christ is there. Unless you indeed, or unless indeed you fail the test. You know, the power and the person of Jesus Christ is in us.
Is it in you? To believe in him is to progressively becoming like him. Why the, why the Christians were called Christians in, 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 in those days in Antioch? In Antioch, they would call the disciples Christian. You know what Christian means? The word Christian means? Little Christs. Or somebody like Christ. As it is written, as he is, so also are we in this world. Not to blend it in. Not to camouflage. I have never met, well, I have met a few 007 Christians. Uh, so-called Christians. You know, they are spies or they are just, you know, there. But the world don't know they're Christian. The world will never know they're Christian. They think they are there, well hidden. But let me tell you, the day will come that God will reveal and he will separate the sheep from the goats. He will put one to his right, one to his left. He will tell to his sheep, to his servants, come in, welcome my servants. But he, will say, he will say to the others, get away from me, I do not know you. Your place is reserved. However, if we have been brainwashed to believe that the kingdom of God and Christianity do not really have to work. Or if the absence of holiness and power fails to trouble us, something is seriously wrong with our concept of the truth, what it is to be a Christian. You becoming a 30 pound note Christian kind of guy. We should seek answers. And I, let me, let me um, actually... Um, give you like three fundamental questions here. First, is my faith practical? It is my faith practical. Please do not gloss over that question. <laughs> Don't ignore that because that's a very, very straightforward question. You know, ask yourself if your prayers are being answered. And if your life is becoming godly. Or do you keep the same vocabulary when you said you became a Christian? Are you keeping the same attitudes as before? Are you being cheating, stealing, lying, compromising? Second question. If my doctrines do not work, then why not? Perhaps your theology is acceptable, but you are lazy. Am I speaking to somebody here? You may be very earnest, but you have been taught wrong. Either way, we, you and I, must discover why things are not working for us. Third, if I see the fruit and power of the Holy Spirit revealed in another's life, how did he or she receive such a grace from God? 
instead of being jealous about people who are being used by God in our midst, oh, the person just came, just arrived at the church, and God is using it. Yes, God will use whoever placed themselves available for God to use. And you may say, oh, God can use even a donkey. Let me tell you, I understand God using a donkey, but I don't understand sometimes why God uses me or you. All I can know is, all I can say is the grace of God. A donkey, I understand it because a donkey has no sin, right? But how would God use sinful people like ourselves? Because of his grace. So do not be afraid to sit as a disciple under, let me say, the anointing of another ministry or, or with those who have walked a bit further than you have in their Christian work and maturity. That takes humility. That takes humbleness. You need to humble yourself to do that. And learn from those who, you know, whose faith is working. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm just crying for water, please. And now the final test of any set of doctrines is sin and the kind of life they produce. Thank you, my love. I'll give it to you later. You know, as it is written, by this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him out himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. 1 John 2, 5, 6. Continual, persistent walking with Christ, let me tell you, will produce life like Christ's life. Or like Christ's. We will walk even as he did walk. How? With holiness and power. That is what we need to do. But what is it to walk in the Spirit? How can I be consistent in my Christian life? It is to be consistent in everything you do as a Christian. Be consistent in your prayer life. Be consistent in your daily devotional. Be consistent in your style of life. Not one day you, you know Christ and the next day you don't. If we don't live like that, we will become Pharisees and scribes that Jesus so rashly condemned. We will be, in fact, the kind of people that the world is tired of listening to. Why people don't want to listen to the gospel? Why when we come and say, okay, we're Christian, we're going to share Jesus with you. They don't want to know the Jesus you have because the Jesus you have, you may not live in the life that the real Christ is. Your, your Christ could be a different kind of Christ. Not the one, not the Lord, not the Savior, not the one who said, come and I'll make you fishes of man. No wonder people prefer going to the pub rather than to the church. And the pubs are, are more people than churches these days. <laughs> we'll become the kind of people God is disgusted to have in his presence. Presenting him with an offering that, is smell, that smells rotten. God is disgusted of these kind of people. This kind of religious people. He said, uh, you would rather be cold or hot because then I would know what you are. 
But if you think you're cold one day, you're in church, next day you're in the world, one day you please yourself, you please even the, the, the appeals of the devil, and then tomorrow you want to come and lift your hands and, and move your lips and praise the holy God. That doesn't work like that. God is not receiving your worship or whatever sound you're making or whatever uh, a sacrifice you bring to him because he is not a holy one. He's not being sanctified by his word, by his spirit, neither washed. The channel has not been washed by the blood of the Lamb. If the theology, you know, let me say, we are to challenge our doctrine, yes, against the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God. Because if the theology we believe does not point us to the one who has the power to transform our lives, I think we're missing the vital part of it. We're just becoming another fanatic, religious, fundamentalist. Ready to judge somebody else. Never point to ourselves and examine ourselves and test ourselves if we are in the faith and if we have Christ Jesus. Do you have Christ Jesus? How do you relate to that person that hates you? I want him dead. No. How do we relate to these people? Where is God in our theology? Where is the Holy Spirit of God that enables us to live a holy life? Many, the, you know, many these days say that I was born this way. And so God understands. Yes, he does understand that you were born this way or you became this way. You were not born this way. You were born in a, in a wonderful way, in a beautiful way. Because the Bible says that we are wonderfully formed in the wombs of our mother. So when we come out, then we start to be transforming. Like we have actually the nature of a sinful and the fallen, which is our, our forefathers. He understands that you're probably now, you're a sinner. He understands that your nature is the nature of the fallen. Yes, that's why he offered salvation. However, knowing this, he calls you to come to him and repent from your sins, confess your sins and repent from them. And live this life and accept his, the one that he's given you. He's given you a new life, his life, his nature, and in, 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 in summary, life in abundance. The fact is that if the God of some of our Christian religions died, all right, the fact is that if the God of some of these people who proclaim themselves to be Christian, most members of those churches would probably either be too spiritually dead or too physically busy to notice the absence of the Holy Spirit in them or through them or in their midst. All too often Christian, Christians accept teachings by faith. Not faith in the living God, but faith in, in their church or in their preacher or in their doctrines. Thinking that they are correct without checking with the word of God. Please do check the doctrines you hear from this pulpit. 
we sometimes unconsciously, we are so lazy to search or to make any research that we just accept whoever tells us something when it comes to doctrine. We hope that whoever is teaching us has avoided making uh, a mistake. We must recognize the fallibility of all our teachers. And, and Leonard Ravenhill, you, you probably uh, hear me mention his name very often. It is because he's one of the, 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 the late, I would say, the late prophetic voices in the church. Um, he died, of course, he's dead already, but, uh, and his message is still, if you want to hear what he has to say, he was a man of prayer. He was a man contemporary with um, C.S. Lewis, I think C.S. Lewis, yeah, and, uh, and um, um, David Wilkerson, all these people. And he, he says, he was listening to, um, uh, he, he was actually talking to somebody once, and this pastor, probably a Baptist minister, came to him and said, um, you know, uh, brother, brother Leonard, if the Holy Spirit was taken away from the earth, many churches would continue to do what they were doing without noticing it. That's a very sad truth. That's a very sad truth. Jesus said, you see to it, no one misleads you. That's Matthew 24, verse 4. Remaining free from deception is our responsibility. Each one of us must assume as individual that responsibility. We are to go to the Word of God and read it. And check it. If you don't understand, come and ask somebody that you know, who knows, it can help you out. Remaining free from deception, remember, is our individual responsibility without becoming suspicious or mistrusting. But in humility, let us re-examine what we have in, in its ability to either equip you to God's will or draw you to God's heart. If either objective is missing, the teaching is straw, as Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. He says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Now I'll carry on reading. says, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test that sort of work each one has done. That's why Paul says, everyone that builds upon this foundation, what foundation is this? It's Jesus Christ revealed as the head of the church, as the Savior, as the Lord, the only way to God. There is no other way to God. You can meditate as much as you can. You can sit down for hours with your legs crossed, doing a zen, whatever you want to do. You can look for your, for your divali, whatever you want to look for. But there is no salvation apart from Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me or through me. 
having a proper foundation will determine the strength that we will hold or you and I hold when the storms of life hit us. And then our, our, our test, our, our faith will be tested. Our life, our theology will be tested because the power of a godly life is reflected by the source where God is the essence of such power. This message is not addressed to bad people. All right? Listen to me what I'm saying this. This message is not addressed to bad people or sinners. It is for all of us good people, okay, who have taught being nice was the same essence of knowing the truth. I'm being very English here today, very sarcastic. Listen, we can, that's a good sign. This is a good thing, yeah? I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that on a bad way. You know, we can thank our parents, yes, that we are nice people. But if we, but if we know the truth, we must seek God and be willing to obey Him. And somebody says, good people don't need God. Bad people are the ones who need God, which is ourselves. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. You know, five times Matthew, Jesus warned against deception in the last days. You will find that in, in verses 4, 5, 11, 23, 24, and 26. If we are not at least somewhat troubled by those warnings that Jesus made, it is because we are guarding our ignorance with arrogance, presuming that our thoughts must be right because I think them. Oh, my thoughts might be right because I'm thinking it. You know, there are errors in all of our lives that need to be corrected. Or are you perfect? And unless we can be corrected, unless we are seeking God for an unfolding revelation of his son, our so-called faith may be in reality just a lazy indifference. A deception concerning to the things of God. Subconsciously, we may actually want dead religion. Do you know why? So we don't have to change. So we don't need to change because change sometimes is painful. And let me tell you what this kind of change, what this change will, will, will cost you. Will cost your life. Will cost the life of the old, the old nature. Your sinful nature. That's the cost of it. Because you said, if you want to follow me, you take up your cross and follow me. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Yes, we should accept many things by faith. But faith is not blindly sticking our hands out to be led by another blind person. It is not an excuse to justify important doctrines like such as the doctrine of prosperity 
is how much you give, God will give you ten times more. You make a deal with God and God will then honor that. Let me tell you, God has been honoring his word since the day men fall, the, the, the fall. And he is a faithful God, isn't he? What a mighty God we have. What a wonderful God we have. What a faithful God we have. It's not an excuse to justify these important doctrines. True faith is freighted with the power of God. What is the word freighted? It means it's, it's transported in bulk. Yeah, that's what it means. This power will work in us a desire for holiness. The power of holiness. Let me read to you a passage. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Holiness is powerful. Have you ever met a truly holy man or woman in your life? I have a few. There is a power in their godliness. If, however, one has never known a Christ-like soul, it becomes very easy to fake Christianity. And you don't have anyone to imitate. You don't have anyone to look up to. Paul said, be my imitators as I am of Christ. So my prayer is that God will raise men and women in this place that will say, will look to the young generation and say, do what I do. As I do what Christ do. Remember this always. Being false is natural for human heart. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful. It is with much effort that will become true. It's only through the transformation of the power of the gospel in our lives. Unless we are reaching for spiritual maturity, our immaturity shapes our perceptions of God. Do you get that? Unless we become mature in Christ, our immaturity can shape our perception of God. We will make a God for ourselves. Oh, God, has, God is like this. God is like that. No. Many point to the Almighty and say, oh, he stopped requiring holiness. You know, things are different. 
We live in a modern society. We, we have a different interpretation now of things. We are not living in, in, in thousands of years ago. But let me tell you, the word of God, the laws of God, are there since he is. Before human life could exist, God already is. He said, I am. So therefore, the laws of God applies anytime, everywhere, to everyone, here, to the end, between and beyond. Because he is God and he is, all the, his rules is based on his character. The Bible is very clear. He is the same yesterday when you were not here, maybe. He is the same today that you are here and you'll be tomorrow you may not be here but he was still God if you pray to him to heal you he doesn't heal you he's still God if you ask God to open a door for you the door is not open he's still God because God is not bound by the way you think God is God is supreme and sovereign. And one of the things we have difficulties to understand is the sovereignty of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever will be. Know for certain that the moment we stop obeying God, we start faking Christianity. We must understand that the knowledge of the Lord is not a 10-week course to be passed it is an unfolding experience with a person called Jesus Christ through another person called the Holy Spirit of God it starts with the rebirth and faith in Jesus but it continues into Christ's own holiness power and perfection as he demands our sanctification daily and as we mature, we begin to realize that the Spirit of, of Christ is actually within us. The cross emerges off the printed pages for us. It, uh, it stops being only something that is in, in my mind or in my conscience. It stops because you know that what that cross means for you. And he stands up right before us, confronting us with our Gethsemanes and our Gogotas, but also with our resurrection through which we ascend spiritually into the true or into the, the presence of the living God. Paul said something that I hope we can say together. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. I'd like to conclude this message asking you, do not let yourself be misled by thinking that now you, have a, you are a virtual member of a virtual church and then you don't even, some people don't even come to church anymore. They're all to do it online. Let me tell you, that's not how God planned for us. 
For you to have fellowship with somebody, you can have it virtually. No. You may text somebody, and you never know. You know, I don't know if you have noticed, once somebody texting you, and you interpret the text as if the person was, was angry or was blunt or didn't care, that's, how te- that's what text sounds most of the time. And you may become, you start to have an argument with a friend of yours, with your wife or with your children because you didn't understand what the person wrote. Maybe you, you missed the, 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 the first message or the, the first uh, line. You see, but when you are face to face, you haven't got that problem. I encourage you to come face to face every possi- possible way especially on Sundays and also on our house groups. I've been banging on that key. That's what a house group is for. Let's do it. Let's do it. You can do it from time to time, yes, but you must understand that we are to be together. You know, and so when we come to this doctrine, as I said, let not yourself be misled. Place upon your theology the demand that it works Test it. Examine yourselves and test it. Because, you know, your eternal salvation depends upon it. If Christ is within us, we should be living holy, powerful lives. No excused, I included. We are not, if we are not holy, or if there is no power of godliness in our lives, there is one that you cannot blame. It is God. You cannot blame God for that. Let us not blame God. As it's written, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Let us persevere in seeking God um, until we find him, until we discover we still, what we still lack to become more like Christ. So let us press on until we lay hold of that which also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus as Philippians 3.12. But how long should we seek him? How long do you think we should seek him? All the time, if we had spent all our lives in energy for three minutes of genuine Christ-likeness, we would have spent our lives well. Have you ever had that three minutes? Do you want to have that three minutes? I guarantee you, you will never be the same. You will never want to go back. We'll say like Simeon of old. You know, the, the one who saw Christ Jesus... I'm going to read this verse from the King James Version. Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bond servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Hallelujah. We do not want to just give mental assent to Christian doctrines, please. That's not what we want to do. We want to see, have contact, and live in the experience or experienced reality of Christ's actual presence. In a time of worship, in a time of prayer, 
The moment we settle for anything less, our Christianity starts to become artificial. Faking Christianity is easy. You can come to church, raise your hands, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And when you go with the same lips, you praise the Lord, you curse others. The same hands, you, you do bad to others, you do bad deals. I would like to challenge you today to live a different life than you did last week. Let's practice what we neglected and stop doing what we did that dishonored God. Let's not fake Christianity. Let's not fake Christianity. Let God be glorified in your life. Let's pray. Father God, you're the one who called us into this wonderful life. And you're the one Holy Spirit of God who enables us to live this life. We want to live it, Lord, every single day as our last day here, knowing that you're coming very soon and all we have is to honor you, to worship you, and to show your love with every person that cross our path. May your name be glorified in us and through us and help us, O oh God. I pray my brother, my sister, help them to be a true Christians, a true disciple of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a song together. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.